Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of December 2013, entitled, Why Jesus Prayed, Father, Forgive Them. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 34. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Okay, if you'd like to turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and uh, we're going to read from verse 32 and um, down to verse 34. And uh, we can stand just to honor the reading of God's word. And um, we'll take it up in verse 32, and we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he was led uh, to Calvary, to the cross. And it says in verse 32, and there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Please be seated. And I'd just like us to look at that verse 34 and really consider tonight why Jesus prayed that prayer. What a prayer to pray, you know. Uh, we're going to look tonight at uh, what happened to the Lord Jesus and, um, you know, how he was uh, mocked and pushed and, you know, he had the crown of thorns put upon his head um, and he was beaten, spat upon. And then he goes on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How, how could anybody pray such a prayer as that? And I just want us to think upon that tonight. Why Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. And um, as I was putting this together, I thought really of two reasons why. And the first one was because of the mercy of God. We've been singing tonight. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. The mercy of God. Let's just have a look again at verse 34. Jesus said, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. You know that our Bible describes our God as the Father of mercies and the God of comforts, of all comforts. Um, let's just be reminded of three uh, verses in the Psalms. Psalm 57 and verse 10 and we get here, um, the psalmist says, Thy mercy is great unto the heavens. And you see God here, um, through the psalmist, is saying how high God's mercy is. There are no limits. He says, Thy mercy is great unto the heavens. How high are the heavens? They're very high. In fact, we can't measure it. You cannot measure the mercy of God, but you can see it being demonstrated with the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them. His mercy is limitless. Um, Psalm 62 and verse 12 says, Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. You know, when something belongs to you, it's yours, isn't it? You own it. And we read here, 
O Lord. It says, um, also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. It's something that belongs to the Lord. It's his. Um, but you know, he doesn't keep it to himself. He shares it. And he shares it with his creation. He shares it with us. Wonderful. Father, forgive them. Another verse in the Psalm, Psalm 103 and verse 8, it says that God is slow to anger and plenteous, plenteous in mercy. We see here that his mercy is full and it has an adequate supply. It's never going to run out and it's available for us. We know that because even as Jesus was on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. The people who were his enemies, people who hated what he, what he was, what he stood for, beat him, a son of God. But he says, Father, forgive them. His mercy, wow, it's limitless. He shares it with everyone, and it's full and it's adequate. You know, mercy has been described as unwilling to punish compassion and kindness and that's our God tonight that's our God when he was hanging upon that cross compassion kindness unwilling to punish that's not why the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth he didn't come to judge he didn't come to punish people but he came to bring them salvation wonderful what were these people guilty of well we stopped in verse 34, but let's just read verses 35, um, 35 and, uh, and down. Um, we read, it says in verse 35, And the people stood beholding, and it says, And the rulers also with them, what's the next word? It says, derided him. What does deriding mean? Basically means to mock, to insult and it says, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And it says in verse 36, and the soldiers also mocked him. There was mocking all over the place. I don't know if you have had much dealings with being mocked, but it's not a nice feeling, you know. Even when people don't do it right in front of your face, but you know they're doing it at the side there, and you know people are just mocking and it's not a nice feeling, but to be the son of God, to be the creator God, and to be mocked, wow, that's... Verse 36, and the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. We know that they did a lot more. We know that they spat upon him, they beat him. We know they placed a crown of thorns upon his head so, so hard that he would be bleeding. We know that he was spat upon. Have you ever been spat upon? <laughs> That's one of the worst things, isn't it? Well, to be the son of God, to be the God of love, and to be spat upon, wow. He says, Father, forgive them. That's a merciful God that we have tonight. Now, I wrote a question here. Does a world who derides and insults and mocks Saviour, do they deserve his mercy? 
If it was us, we would say, not a chance. Forget it. But this is our saviour. The world, we do not deserve his mercy. But as we saw before in the Psalms, that his mercy is plenteous and it's limitless. And it's adequate. It's for us a supply that we can have. A world does not deserve God's mercy. But he is the God of mercy. He is the God of love. Um, a man called Albert Barnes, I don't know who he was, but I was reading last night a quote that he made about mercy. And he says that, What a world this would be if God sat on a throne of justice only, and if no mercy were ever to be shown to men. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if our God, that all he did was to sit on that throne and to, ju and to judge only. You know, his throne is a place of mercy. And that's good news for us tonight. That's good news for, the, for a world that derides and insults the Son of God. I don't know if you've been watching the news just lately, but there was a, a young man, he was a soldier with a family, and um, his name was Lee Rigby. And I don't know if you um, know all the details. Um, you know, we've only been told so much. It was that terrible. But a um, young man um, was walking from a train station um, onto uh, a road, and these two um, men in the car, uh, they saw him, and they planned to kill somebody. And they drove the car into him. One of them got out and started just to stab him. Um, as many times as, as you could be stabbed, and uh, they just killed him in front of everybody. Then they stood in front of people with telephones, and they told people why they did it. And they basically said that this was because um, of their God, Allah, and that, um, you know, that they were soldiers of Allah and of Islam. And, um, you know, it, it made me think, because uh, many times they talk about Allah being a merciful God. Well, he's not. You know, the reason why these people do such things is because it's written in the Quran that fight those who believe not in Allah nor the last day. Rather than, Father, forgive them. You know, when Jesus was here, he said, forgive them, didn't he? He said, love your enemies. That's the message that Jesus came to bring to the world. We don't need any other saviour. We don't need any other message. He brought the message of peace and mercy and forgiveness. Thank God that our God tonight is a God of mercy. And um, if you're a Christian here tonight, are you not glad that God had mercy upon you to forgive you? You did not deserve God's mercy. I didn't. But because God is a God of mercy, he chose to forgive us. Wonderful. You know, sometimes we don't realize how serious and how bad sin is to God. But he's merciful. Wonderful tonight. I wonder, do you know, if you're not a Christian tonight, do you know that God, he loves you and he wants you? He wants to have mercy upon you and upon this, your sins to forgive you. Luke 23. Let's just read from 42 to uh, verse 43. And let's just see here an example of his mercy moments before he gave up the ghost. 
He says in verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, this is one of uh, the male factors. Do you know what a male factor is? It's a criminal. That's what a male factor is. Jesus was uh, numbered amongst them. He was, as the scriptures say, he was one of them. He was known as a criminal, even though he'd, no, he'd never committed any crimes. But one of these men, he says, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, he says, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Moments before he also was going to die. And what did Jesus say? He said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Wow, the mercy of God. Right at the last minute, right at the last moments of this man's life, where there may have been no hope of mercy, a look at the Savior, and he received eternal life. We'll see him one day. We'll meet him. Maybe be able to ask him about God's mercy. That's our God, merciful God. Right at the last moment, Jesus chose to forgive him. That's wonderful. So why Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them? The first reason is because of the mercy of God. The second is because of the mandate of God. Let's just go back to verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, there is a mandate behind the words of that prayer. I don't know if you know what a mandate is. But mandate is basically a mission given by one to another. And we see here behind this prayer, we see that there's a mandate. He says, for they know not what they do. That signifies to us that these people were ignorant of what they were doing. We're going to have a look at a few scriptures in a minute. But let's just turn to Matthew 28 and let's just be reminded of the mandates that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his church. You know, sometimes we may know these verses very well, but let's just be reminded. Um, and, you know, these were the last words that Jesus spoke after his resurrection, just before his ascension. And he says in verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach your nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And it says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This was the mandate. This was the mission that Christ was giving now to his disciples. And he's saying, go into the world and you teach these people. You teach my people who I've created who need to hear this message. You go and you teach them. Uh, Mark chapter 16. Mark 16. And verse 15. And again, Jesus here. Um, these, this will be the same time that Jesus spoke these words. And he said unto them in verse 15... Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Nobody is to be left out. That's our God's concern tonight for the lost. He's concerned about every single person who is created. Why? 
Because every person is created has an eternal soul and will spend eternity somewhere. Luke chapter 14, Luke 14 and verse 23. Luke 14 and verse 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and, what's the next word? Compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. And here we see the Lord's compassion for people. And he's saying to you, he's saying to his church, he's saying go, and he's saying compel these people to come in. Why? Well, we read that, we read at the end of this verse, he says that my house may be filled. Jesus is concerned that people get saved tonight. He is. And he wants that place that he's preparing to be filled with people. But he's telling his disciples, he's saying, you, you go. You go out into the hedges. You go. You seek for these people. Angels are not going to do it. The unbelieving world is not going to do it. You who believe in me, you, my disciples, you go and you compel them to come in because I want my house to be filled. Notice Jesus says, go and teach. He didn't say go and threaten. He didn't say go and deride. Go and mock those people who may not want to hear what you've got to say. No, he says go and he says preach. He says go and teach those people. Let the Lord be the God of results. But you, you, you go. That's what he's saying. Our mission is to let people who reject Jesus know what they are doing and where it will take them. You know, people don't realize what they're doing. Let's just see um, what's written down in Romans. Romans chapter 10. And, you know, this is our mandate tonight. Romans 10 and verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, Brother Peter, he often says that we can, <coughs> we can put our name in there. You know? For whosoever. That includes you. It includes every person. Um, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then he says in verse 14, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? It's not going to happen, is it? People are not just going to get saved by not hearing about Jesus. They're not going to get saved by not hearing about the cross and why Jesus died on that cross. Other people think that, you know, people can get saved in other ways and God is merciful and you know, but no, people need to hear the gospel to get saved. And how shall they hear without a preacher? This is our mission of the church. This is your mission. This is mine. We have to preach. We have to teach. We have to tell people the good news. Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? You know, when Christ sent his disciples out, this really was the beginning of the sending out. We know that in the book of Acts, that they went out as well. 
But you know, this continues down the line and it continues to our day and it continues until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. This is our mission. This is our mandate. How shall they hear without a preacher? Well, they're not going to. You know that um, many people today, they reject Jesus out of ignorance because they don't know. Um, many people don't realize what they're doing when they reject Jesus. They don't know that they're rejecting their only hope that they have for eternity. Um, let me just share a, f- uh, a few verses in a moment. Um, you know, when we've been out on the outreach, we sp- we've spoken to quite a few teenagers, you know. And, you know, if you go today, teenagers in the city of Birmingham, it'd be surprising at how many have never heard about Calvary. They don't really know why Jesus died on the cross. I'm being serious. You know, in my day, when I was a young teenager, I had heard, I had heard, you know, we used to have school assemblies, yeah? You ask the children today, how many of these children in these um, open schools have school assemblies? It's because the reason why they don't hear the message today is because it's a mixed assembly. Different religious people, okay? And um, very rarely do, do they get what we got when we were at school years ago. And you ask a lot of these young, young um, children and even teenagers today who Jesus is. Why, why did he come? It would be amazing how, how many people, how many of these young people don't know. You know, my testimony, um, when I became a Christian, I thought I was a good person. I did, you know. All right, I knew I'd, make, I'd made my dad, uh, you know, angry a few times and I didn't get on with him very, uh, very well um, but I still regarded myself as quite a good person and you know I think I'd always believed that there was a heaven and I believe that you know if I died that that's where I would be going I never realized I never understood that I needed to be saved I never realized how bad I was until somebody told me until somebody shared what's written in the Bible but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it wasn't until I heard that I understood. Oh, yes, God illuminated his word to me. But you know, it has to be taught. It has to be told. That's how it happens. Thank God that somebody did bother to come to me one day when I was working in a garage and told me about Jesus, told me about salvation, told me about what's going to happen in the future and the judgment, the great white throne judgment. And the Lord drew me to himself. And I just thank him tonight for his mercy for me. Um, And I'm sure tonight that we could all um, relate to that. Let's just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, let's just see these people that we've been reading about tonight, these rulers, who were crucifying the Lord of glory. Let's just see what the Apostle Paul says about about them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7. And uh, Paul says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And then it says in verse 8, Which none of the princes of this world knew. For have they known it, 
they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's a powerful verse, you know. That is a powerful verse. It's saying here that they would not, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, when um, Angelica and myself were witnessing with people, Jewish people in Israel, um, you know, it's amazing how many of the religious people get very angry when you even mention the name Yeshua, Jesus. It's incredible. They don't know what they're doing. They don't realize and understand that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. He's the Lord of glory. And their rejection, how they're rejecting him right now, um, it pains God. God wants his people to hear the truth and to come and accept it. Um, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And um, here we have this account at the... Um, at the day of Pentecost, and it says in uh, verse 14, it says, but ye, and you know, they're speaking here about uh, the children of Israel, it says, but ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Verse 15, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, have made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And verse 17, And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. You know, people today who are deriding Christians for being Christians, a lot of them are doing it out of ignorance. They don't realize what they're doing. This was our experience when we were on the streets in Israel. They thought that they were doing God a justice. You know, when they were throwing things at us, when they were deriding us, um, they're ignorant people. John chapter 16. Let's just see what the Lord Jesus Christ says about those who are rejecting him. John chapter 16 and verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, He's speaking to his disciples now, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. That's what they were doing in the days when Paul was preaching the gospel, when Stephen was being stoned. They, 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 they thought that they were um, doing God service. And verse 3, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father, nor me. This is why people do those things that they do to us. When we say, tell people we're Christians and we try to show them the truth. They don't know him. They don't know the Father, nor the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. You know, our fight is not against people. It's not against the flesh and blood. Often we get that mixed up. We get it wrong. But there is someone behind these people, and it's the God of this world. 
and is blinding people's minds. You know, before you heard the gospel, did you understand what your lost condition? Did you? Did you realize how bad you were, how bad sin was before the Holy Spirit showed you? Did you realize, even though you were a good person, that you were a lost sinner? I wonder how many people do we meet whose minds have been blinded? How many people do we meet at work and in the world as we go through this next week? The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's our God tonight, merciful. And he's given us a mandate, he's given us a mission to reach the lost. We need to let them know we've got the truth. They're not just going to come walking through those doors. And we need to do all that we can, all the opportunities that we have, even within this church. We need to take them up. And we need to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. We've been singing, bring them in, bring them in. We need to do that. I wonder, are you thankful tonight that someone instructed you, someone gave you the knowledge of salvation? And will you tell somebody this next week, may the mercy of God touch our hearts as we reach out to a lost world. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you tonight, Lord, for those words that Jesus spoke on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, what a prayer. What a prayer that is, Lord. Lord, we just thank you tonight for the mercy of God. We thank you, dear Lord, that your mercy is plenteous. We know that because you've saved us. But Lord, it's so plenteous that, Lord, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. And Lord, your salvation, Lord, is available for every single person. We thank you tonight, dear Lord, that you have given us a mission. Help us, dear Lord, we pray, to take those opportunities into this next week to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.